0: we can't see their childhood through the lens of our childhood it's just it's just not the same and so kids asking the question about should you have a smartphone i think it's really easy for us to just dismiss that because well i didn't have one growing up but when you think about the pressures that they are dealing with when they watch all their friends with it and are seeing so much of the world happening through it I think that is a overly dismissive lack of empathy approach to do you know it's a different world and so I know I didn't have it but I am understanding why you feel like you should
1: we believe that you are strong by design and you were made in God's image to have a strong body mind and spirit you're listening to the number one strength and health Authority podcast in the world So let's get ready to unlock your potential and transform your life in today's episode. Hi there and welcome to an episode here on the Strong by Design podcast with your host, Coach Chris Wilson, and uh, I've been so blessed and so honored to uh, have hosted several episodes in a row. Typically, we we kind of take turns here and, and shuffle these conversations to with to different hosts, just because uh, you know we we kind of tackle all kinds of topics. And I've just been so fortunate to uh, have gotten my my share of the load here to start twenty twenty two off, and it's been some. Absolutely fabulous conversation, so I hope you listeners who are return listeners are enjoying uh, the conversations. Obviously, we kind of go in all directions here on Strong by Design, talking about all things mind, body, spirit, um, which really is is kind of everything in life, because the way you live your life, uh, you know, we want you to live a life that's strong by design, but you must always remember that you were created by our Creator to be strong, by design. And so a little bit of double double meaning there with the, the name of our show. And, uh, you know, I want to take a quick second. If you're a new listener to our podcast, I thank you so much for finding us. There's so many great podcasts out there in the world that, that I listen to. And I know it can be hard to kind of consume all of the the good content that's out there. But I thank you for finding our show. And uh, what what really helps us show up and, and move us up in the, in the ratings and in the rankings are people that are leaving uh, some reviews and hitting that, that five-star rating, uh, whatever platform they're listening. So we just encourage and thank you for doing that because it really does help drive our listenership and our uh, authority. Uh, In the world of podcasts, so we greatly appreciate you. And again, you return listeners. We just love you. We're, you know, so many hundreds of thousands of downloads uh, in the last few years and just having great success. And this show is a ministry uh, with our, our our business with criticalbench.com has been around for over two decades and we started this podcast uh, almost four years ago and it's not monetized it's a hundred percent a ministry it's conversations that we know are meaningful and it's our way of giving back uh, and and just and, and just being um, you know, just so great, grateful, showing our gratitude, but having the the difficult, the controversial and the meaningful conversations of life. So our guest today, I can't wait to introduce our guest because he has a, a great name. His name is Christopher McKenna or Chris McKenna and uh, that's my name of course so it's a it's a always a good thing to talk with another Chris. Um, I have Chris on the show today because I found out about him from our mutual friend Frank Rich who has been on our show multiple times and chris was a guest on frank's podcast and i listened to that episode several weeks ago it blew me away and i said i I really want an intro to this guy because i'd love to have a conversation with him on strong by design so he was gracious enough to make time for us today so chris uh so great having you thank you so much
0: yeah thanks chris i appreciate that intro are you also a christopher and and like right
1: there okay good we're right there, man. Awesome, yeah.
0: It's nice to meet you. And we even we have same names, but kind of coming together digitally here from opposite sides of the country. So up here in Michigan, and you're down down there in the south. But yeah, happy to be with your audience. And you know, I'm I, I think we'll have a lot of fun talking today, right? As we tackle the things related to being a husband and dad, and complications that technology brings into both of those roles that we have. And so I'm excited to talk.
1: Yes, uh for sure. And and after just reading up on you and watching some video content and, and and it's 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 really powerful what you're doing in the world. Uh Chris started an organization uh several years ago called Protect Young Eyes. And he's a father of four. He's a husband, he's a father, and he understood that the online world is a very unique challenge for uh, the youth of today, for our children, a, a challenge that didn't exist when I grew up, when he grew up. Uh, and, you know, certainly over the last decade, things have really changed quite a bit on the, the landscape of, of, of what's available online. And so what Chris is doing is he's, I mean, he—he he, basically you are on a mission to be able to create a, uh, a a much more reasonable experience for our youth, for our children, and to make it easier for parents to uh, understand what their kids are are, are actually looking at. Uh, will you go into a little bit yeah, of detail sure. uh, about, you know, what inspired this, about, you know, the, the work that you're doing and, and what you, you know, what, what have you been doing over the last 10, 15 years? Like what? How did this all happen for you? How did I get here? Right. That's a great question. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, this will be really boring, like totally
0: anticlimactic. Take all the wind out of the room. Chris, I'm a CPA, right? That's like that's the most boring thing. Like what? A CPA? Yeah. Uh, um, I'd like to think I'm a CPA with a personality, which does put me in a different category. But I mean, I, I graduated and for 12 years I was a consultant with e and I love that work. Great work. But the Lord called me into full-time ministry. So after 12 years in, I was a senior manager and he said, go work in the church. So I left and then went and worked full-time. And I did two things in that role from 2009 to 2016, Chris. I was in charge of junior high ministry, right? What a change from business consulting, going into middle school ministry. But I love junior high. It's such a rich, messy, chaotic, developmentally awesome time. I just love that age group because they still kind of listen to you, but they're still feeling all the adult feels. And so you get to like press into that. And the things that you press into junior high are often the things that stick when you're my age and your age, right? If we think back to what, like you think about how we see the world, how we treat others, how we treat ourselves, all how we treat faith. So much of that was pressed into us between about ages nine and 15. And it's, not impossible to undo those things. I believe the Holy Spirit can totally transform, but man, it's tough. It is tough to undo things pressed into us during that time. So I love that age group. But from 2009 to 2016, Chris, that's when everybody started carrying the internet with them. Right? Now parents are asking different questions. They're asking me about new apps. Imagine a world when Snapchat was new and Instagram was new. And that consulting background in me was like, well, this seems like a problem to be solved. I loved solving business problems. That's what God kind of wired me to do. And so I just simply started a, a little Facebook group and I was doing research. And kind of at the same time, I had my own early childhood exposure to pornography back when I was age eight. Carried that into adulthood, you know, back in the 90s when Al Gore invented the internet, then everything sort of broke loose. And now, you know, guys like me who had that early two dimensional magazine exposure, now we have this unlimited capability to look at whatever we want. I don't have to sneak down to the dude's house down the street to get a periodic glimpse. It's now on a computer in my dorm room. Are you kidding me? Like, so that unleashed a, um, Uh, You know an issue in my life that I I got stuck in and so I have these things kind of all colliding sort of the same time I'm starting to wrestle with my own issue with a group of guys Using covenant eyes and accountability saying hey, we have got to get rid of this issue of pornography and at the same time parents are saying All this technology my kids are you know being exposed to how do I understand it? And so I just started tackling it from both sides and having conversations at our church that led to the creation of a website, protectyoungeyes.com, back in 2015. And from there, it's really just kind of grown into what it is today, which is creating with family, schools, and churches, helping them create safer digital spaces with a lot of education, um, working in schools with a lot of talks, hundreds of presentations all over the country. But then also trying to change the laws which really do not adequately protect our children today nothing on the books today you know is any uh newer than about 20 years old when it comes to protecting our kids online therefore it does not protect our kids online so we have awesome families you know like yours and mine and others listeners right who are trying their best to protect our kids And then we have technologies being created by organizations that care nothing about our children, nothing about them. So we want to stand in that gap.
1: Yeah, and we we need the people to stand in the gap because now's the time where it's, you know, people got to stand up for what's right in the world and for truth and for all kinds of things. Kids are so confused nowadays with... With what's what's right, what's truth, you know, and and we we need more than ever. We need people like yourself, Chris. Um, before we get to I, I, I watched the the video of you um, talking to the Senate Judiciary Committee. I want to get there in a second, but okay. you know, as a as a father of of two kids, I have a ten and a half year old son and a, a almost seven year old daughter. So they are like my sons you know, dad, when can I get a phone? You know, um, listen, I'm 46 years old. Okay. Um, I used a a, a rotary dial up phone growing up. Okay. I did not even own a computer ever in my life until I, until I was out of college. I never needed to. They had computer labs back when I was in college. Right. Right. You know, all this stuff. Right. And, I think a lot of parents feel helpless when it comes to the technology that's out there and their lack of experience with it. I and I think there's probably a dividing line. I think maybe younger parents have a little bit more uh, familiarity with with it. You know, let's say if you're in your th- like thirty or early thirties, but if you're in your mid forties, uh, getting close to fifty, and you had none of this stuff. I don't use half these apps myself. Um, what the heck are we going to do here? You know, and what can, what is, what can my kid have? What should he have access to yeah. or she? And could you just go there a little bit sure. as, and and just talk to those parents right now who are like anxious to start solving some of these issues?
0: Yeah. Chris, you're a really great spot. Ages seven and 10 are just so rich. they, they still think you're pretty cool. That's a great spot to be in because that will yeah. that will wear off. <laughs> that will wear off. You know, when the daughter starts rolling her eyes at you because you're the dorky dad, like I have with my 17 year old daughter now. You know, but um, yeah. So I definitely want to speak into that a little bit. There are um, different ways to protect and prepare our kids. There are relational solutions and there are technical solutions and it's easy to want to just go grab a technical solution because you can set it and then forget it but that's not the way this works um and you said a couple of things that generationally i think are also really important because i'm right there with you gen x all the way baby so we can't see their childhood through the lens of our childhood it's just it's just not the same and so kids asking the question about should you have a smartphone I think it's really easy for us to just dismiss that because well I didn't have one growing up but when you think about the pressures that they are dealing with when they watch all their friends with it and are seeing so much of the world happening through it I think that is a overly dismissive lack of empathy approach to do you know it's a different world and so I know I didn't have it but I am understanding why you feel like you should. And they need to know that that is our perspective on it. Now, I will be the first to tell you, Chris, that I think delay is still the way. I want to delay the acquisition of lowercase g godlike technologies as long as possible. Because make no mistake, this smartphone, no matter how dumb you make it, is a supercomputer. This thing can process 5 trillion transactions a second. It could land the Apollo 13 spacecraft on the moon 100 million times simultaneously. This is a supercomputer more powerful than anything that any of those computer labs in like totality had and now we've put it in their pockets. So, I am all about delaying the acquisition of these devices while at the same time having open and honest and empathetic conversations with our kids about why we're making those decisions and what the path to yes looks like. It's not good enough just to say no, you can't have it. I think sometimes kids need to know what the path to having it might look like because we do want our children to learn how to use technology well. I desperately want my three sons and my so my kids you know for your listeners to have perspective my daughter is 17 I have twin 10 year old or sorry this is me not accepting the fact that they're older. I have have twin 12 year old boys and then a 10 year old boy. So I have 10, 12, 12 and 17. And I desperately want them to learn how to use technology well. That means I will eventually say yes to these technologies. So honey, it's not just that you can't have it now, it's just because I respect the power of these things and because I love you so much here are the things that i want to do together to lead you toward the yes for that thing that you want and so those are just some ways i think to shape the conversation a little bit differently it's seldom a binary when it comes to these kinds of conversations i want us to d you know give them the reasons why one of the posts i just posted on instagram this week that did really really well um it's a principle that i've used with our families for a while chris is to Talk to them about all of the things that freak us out about these technologies. Be overly like, truthful. If you are afraid that if you give your 13-year-old daughter this phone, that she might end up sending a photo to somebody and doing herself great harm, tell her that. Share that with her. If you're afraid that they're going to get addicted to TikTok if you give them access to a smartphone, tell them this. In my experience when we share the reasons why we're apprehensive those fears can either lead us to speak or to spy and i want them to lead us to speak because i think when we talk about these things they automatically have less control over our children and they automatically have less control over us as parents and that's not me coming up with a novel idea i mean that's scripture when you put it in the light It automatically is better and it has less power over us because then the Holy Spirit can do something with it and that's you know what I want our approach to be so I have not directly answered your question yet but I'm framing it with a lot of mindsets and philosophies and just sort of attitudes that I think if we can shift even just our tone or the way that we think about a couple of things our kids can tell the difference you yes. can smell that stuff.
1: It's it's so important what you're saying because as I, as I did and what you acknowledged was the the the, the knee jerk re- reaction is what I what can I do technically, to help my child to navigate this problem. But there's so much else at play here, and it's so much it's it's before you even get to that point. How can I be a better parent? And have the communication and the open door policy uh, with my child, where they're, they feel that they can communicate or say anything to me. We can have the difficult conversations. If they see something they're not supposed to, they'll actually feel like they can come tell me about it. Um, and where I think a lot of parents go wrong is we make things taboo and off limits, and 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 put them in a box that we're not supposed to talk about or go there ever and then what happens is that's what creates the curiosity in the kid right right and and it's like the door that's locked in the house that your parents said you're never allowed to go in that room eventually the kid's going to find a way in that room they want to know what they're not supposed to see and so i think if you if you get there prior to you know the acquisition of the phone and and the Uh, you know, them getting access to certain platforms and stuff. Um, I I think you've 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 gotten a lot of the way there. Uh, So I I I love that you you talked about that. Yeah, definitely.
0: Because when you and I grew up, Chris and any other listeners that are sort of 35 and above, the difference between the things that were good for our childhood and bad for our childhood were very clear and there was a wide gap that existed between them. Most often a physical gap that I had to go to a place or have a certain friend or have access to certain channels that were difficult because I didn't have a credit card to pay for them. Like there were all kinds of barriers that created a fairly wide gap between things that preserved an innocence in childhood and things that robbed innocence in childhood. And one of the difficulties with growing up today, and yes, it is difficult to grow up today, that is so important for parents to understand. I know it is difficult to raise them today, but friends who are listening to this, I guarantee it's more difficult being a kid today. That's a really important perspective to hold on to because the gap in their childhood that exists between the things that are good for me and the things that can radically change the trajectory of my life, are razor thin. The exact same device that we ask them to do schoolwork on is the exact same device that can show them hardcore life altering pornography. The same device that we keep in touch with grandma on because we're isolated for whatever reason is the same exact device that I can get hooked on rabbit trails of depressive or suicidal ideation content on TikTok. I mean, we're asking them to figure out in the same digital space, how to be good and how to be hurt. And that is a really complicated spot to grow up. And as I, you know, as I say to parents, and it's not, I don't want anyone to misunderstand me. Consequences are necessary. When kids do wrong things, we need to correct wrong things. But at the same time, when I see a kid who is hopelessly addicted to a video game, I say to myself, that's not all their fault. When I see a kid who can't put TikTok down, I would say to myself, that's not all their fault. When I see a kid who feels compelled to send a certain image on you know, Snapchat to do it, I say to myself, that's not all their fault. Because the 15-year-old version of all of your listeners would have done the exact same things. Adolescent brains aren't different. The intelligence of the technologies and the intelligence of the stimulus that we're putting in front of them is what's different. And there's some of us who would be in prison right now if Snapchat existed back in the 80s and 90s. I guarantee it, because we would have done the exact same things. And so I think that's just a really, again, it's a helpful mindset to open up the right conversations, to look at them and say, honey, I want you to know that whatever would happen to you, whether you do it or somebody does it to you, That there's nothing you could do online that would ever change how I feel about you. That there are pressures you're feeling online that I could never even imagine when I was growing up. But that whatever those things are, I am safe. Bring those to me. Because honey, one-on-one with technology, whether you are 4, 14, or 47, we all eventually lose. And that turns it into an us thing and not just a teen screw up on technology thing. Because Chris, I use Covenant Eyes and I want my kids to know that I use Covenant Eyes. Why? Because I want my kids to know that even dad needs help using technology in a good God-honoring way. It's not just teens that make bad choices or bad taps or get tempted. It is all of us. We are in this together. And I think those are conversations that build bridges of digital trust. That's something that we've, created at protect young eyes is a digital trust framework because parents who have certain conversations and do certain things persistently and consistently, they have what we call digital trust. And when that digital trust is high, then digital friction is low. There's an inverse relationship there. And I think creating those kinds of conversations build bridges of digital trust between us and our kids.
1: Yeah. Without question. It's, it's so great. And I, 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 appreciate the uh just the insights and the 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 deep understanding that you're able to relay to our listeners about all that goes into it that's not even covering the actual like one two three you know block block this aspect of of uh, of your phone because uh, that's kind of where everyone's mind goes right away that's where mine went even having prepared and kind of knowing what we're gonna talk about today it's it's all that behind the scenes work um, and so much of that 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 is done between zero and ten years old right kind of setting your kid up for emotional success and and having great uh, communication ability with their parents so big um, I, I was really moved by uh, your your message, it's about a six-minute long, maybe maybe longer uh, message to the Senate Judiciary Committee uh, about, you know, t- about this very topic. And it was very powerful. I don't think you even stuttered or said, um, your words were crystal clear, so well presented. Um, and then, you know, I'm just curious in in preparation for that and in that moment, tell me a little bit about that, just that experience. The
0: most terrifying public speaking experience I've ever had <laughs> you wouldn't know it yeah well you know, a lot of prep went into that it was really cool my father came with me if you look behind me um, during the hearing which you know if anybody's curious they can find it in any of our digital platforms either on YouTube or Instagram you could also just uh, search in Google C span space McKenna and it'll pop up there the full two-hour testimony Um, And you're referring to it about the 16- or 17-minute mark, my six-minute opening statement. Um, And, yeah, so it was, you know, obviously I prayed a ton about that and prepared a lot for it. But it was bringing all of our research sort of into one sort of focused statement. And I stand behind everything there. None of that was scare tactics. That was all evidence and things that we've just, you know, experienced online. You know, but the rest of the conversation that went on, you know, with the committee there was really helpful, and it's triggered a lot of other conversations since then. In particular, there was a an exchange that I had with Senator Ernst, um, uh, Joni Ernst from uh, Iowa, fabulous. And she asked me. She was tactically saying, "All right, I'm a grandma," you know, and she held up her iPhone right in the right in the hearing there and said, "You know, tell me about it, like." You know, what could we do to make this easier for families? And I said, you know, Senator Ernst, what strikes me as unusual today is that when it comes to expanding reach, robbing you and I of more of our attention, Chris, or increasing their profits, innovation and genius in big tech knows no bounds. Yet when it comes to protecting our children, they seem strangely impotent and unable To do that, I don't, you know, there's a disconnect there. Why? Because there isn't an incentive. So that's where the laws come in. I'm not a fan of more government or big government. Parents, you started off by saying this, I wrote this down. Parents, we do have a job to protect our children. It is our proverbs, you know, call to lead our children in the way that they should go. And we need to and must do that. But I also believe that it is up to a government that balances privacy, protection, and freedom to create guardrails by which we can, you know, our children can bounce around in without great harm occurring to them, right? So there's a balance there that I'm I'm constantly looking for, just to make sure your audience knows sort of politically sort of where, where I'm at on those things. So, But that being said, what I said to Senator Ernst was, there are such simple things that could be done, Chris. All of these devices know our age. When you created, I don't know if you're an iPhone or an Android guy, but when I logged into my iPhone for the first time, I created an Apple ID and that Apple ID asks for my birthday. Now of course I can lie, but let's assume you don't. When I log into an Android device, it knows how old based on the Gmail account that you've attached to it. What if, based on the age of the user, simple defaults were automatically put onto the device to say, okay, I can tell that you're 15, therefore we're going to limit pornography in Safari, we're going to set music, podcasts and books to clean instead of explicit, and just do some basic things that a parent has the option of going in and changing later if that's not your preference, but why not make it easy? It should be that our digital devices are safer by default instead what we have is we have devices that are exploitive by default and we have to hunt for protection it should be the other way around we should have to hunt for exploitation instead of hunting for making them safer and so those are themes that now two and a half years later slowly I mean, think of all that's happened in the last two and a half years, Chris. We've had a global pandemic. We've had a messy presidential transition. We've had a lot going on. So to to get movement in Congress on anything is really slow and difficult. But we're starting to finally see some movement from some of the themes that were in that 2019 hearing that just desperately need to update the laws that right now don't protect our children.
1: Right. Yeah, I mean, I when I think of this and you said the the magic word, the guardrails, you know, if you're if you're driving on a windy road on the side of a a mountain or a cliff, there's going to be a handful of people, maybe more, who don't want to drive on that road if there's not a guardrail on it. I mean, there's there's people who won't drive on that road anyway because they're f- afraid of heights or, you know, it's a it's a dangerous road, but God forbid you you look away for a moment. That guardrail is there for a reason. It serves a purpose. Yet the internet, the online world on our phone, is is basically you know the autobahn or some crazy road without any kind of safety measure on it. What's what's or or not in place anyway. Like you said, you had it's you have to go in and do a lot of legwork and figure things out in order to make it a safer experience for the young person where it should almost it should automatically be there and you should have to you know kind of go the other way with it yeah it's 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 almost backwards it um, is
0: and that's why that I, I mean that's my my rubric for deciding what legislation I do and don't support looks for that balance between privacy protection and freedom those are the things I'm looking for right I want right. a guardrail that protects children not only my children but if i could you know go as far as saying not every child has the privilege of growing up in a home that has parents who care about his or her well-being yeah those guardrails are from my perspective are gospel imperative to protect the most vulnerable among us yet as a parent as an adult as somebody who loves the First Amendment, who wants to do the things that I feel I have a a right to do, then I should be able as an adult to hop over that guardrail, right? So these are the sorts of balances that that we're looking for. Um, Again, not removing my responsibility as a parent, we're just simply saying to big tech, quit making it more difficult. Yes. Quit making it harder for good, intelligent, fairly tech-minded parents we shouldn't have to follow 36 steps in order to protect this phone for my child. That's the common sense stuff that we're trying to figure out. Yep, absolutely right.
1: Yeah, it's, it, it is. it is. And just hearkening back to one thing you said earlier uh, that I think is so important is we we, we always want to go go to that thought as parents, like, well, that I didn't have that when I was a kid. Like, this, you know, we're always going... Going back to our own personal experience when we grew up. However, there's so much more right now facing a child to grow up in today's world. More pressures and more. I mean, I can't imagine that the power of, the, of these phones, you can post something about someone you don't like. And hundreds, if not thousands of people will see that instantly. Versus back in the day, you could have had a, an argument with somebody and called them a name, and maybe just the people around there heard about it, and then they whispered to a few people in the So a, a few people at the school knew. Word word travels fast nowadays, yeah. um, and it, it's it's just a whole different world for these for these children with the with the bullying, and I mean there's I mean, there's all different directions you can go. Obviously, we've been kind of kind of talking around the, the, the porno, pornographic uh, sure, sure. side of things, you know, but there's a lot of other types of, da- could you talk about some of the other types sure. of dangers and, and exposures that that children really need to be protected from? Yeah, and I'd be happy to circle
0: back, just because I think my own experience with pornography as an issue as an adult gives me a lot of um, empathy, but also insight into the difficulties that that issue brings to families and to young people today. But you you hit on something really well. I mean, I wasn't always this, you know, svelte, handsome, uh, you know, young man that I am today, Chris. Thank you very much. I was a 79 pound eighth grader who fit inside of every locker in the middle school that I attended, <laughs> right? I only know that wow. maybe because I kind of know that. And so what I'm saying is, you know, when you and I were growing up back in the 80s, there were a lot of places that a tormented middle schooler could find refuge in, right? Getting off of a bus kind of meant they couldn't get to you anymore because I was in a big family. And so the only way to harass me would have been to call. And that was attached to the wall, right? There wasn't any way to get to me. So things sort of simmered down. The weekend was another spot where things kind of simmered down. You'd have an issue at the football game on Friday night, and by the time you got to school on Monday, things had mostly simmered down. Same thing for the summer. I don't know about you, but growing up in a small town in Central Michigan like I did, I feel like everybody kind of came back in the fall a little more friendly with each other. Like the summertime was like this beautiful reset for whatever drama or clicks or problems were going on in June, you know, June when you left it all sort of showed back up as friends and then the popularity engine revved back up again my point in saying this is that all of the things that used to bring relief to young people are now all of the things that bring continued torment to young people today because that's when things get shared that's when things go viral that's when my worst moments get magnified is sitting on mattresses and bedrooms all night long with this supercomputer that I've been given. And so I just, again, it's a call to empathy to know that for certain young people, there are very few safe places. And to be honest, for that tormented young person, sometimes that phone, be it a different persona in a video game or maybe a fake account on social media, is the only relief that they get from the real world. So now you're talking about a really complicated childhood dynamic of like the phone is the thing for all of the people around them that is causing them torment. Yet the phone is the thing because of that torment. That's the only thing giving them relief from the world that is causing them so much trouble. Chris, my friend, that is a complicated spot to be a kid in. Yeah. and so again those are just things that from our perspective as parents is just to approach them with such care and understanding and you know um, in those conversations to try to understand all those perspectives
1: yeah for sure oh, it's it's a lot to take in and to think about you know I I, I was struggling to you know to Figure out exactly what direction I wanted to, to go in because there's so many there's so many directions with this conversation that we we could uh, go off in and, and and really dive deeper on. Uh, one, uh, two more things that I really want. One is, do you have? Are there actual accounts or testimonials that you've been that have been shared with you, where some of the things that you're doing ha- has has really affected some major change in the life of of a child. Like uh, any any particular stories that come to mind, um, s- some transformations or s- something that was was super impactful. Maybe even a, 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 yeah. at the at the um, church or school level.
0: Well, you know, one of the. I receive messages, you know, fairly frequently, be it through DMs or, or emails from, from parents on, on different stuff. So I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not, there isn't a, a specific story that comes to mind right now. I just know that parents who embrace some of these more relational aspects to things um, find that they do work, right? Find that, and, and that's why it's not just me making up things. When I say the digital trust framework, which is five words, Chris, of um, copy me, co-play, curiosity, conversation, and coaching. I know a couple of those are hyphenated words in there, Um, but those are based on what parents have done that work. 1,400 presentations over the past six years, tens of thousands of conversations. And Those are the things that when I look at families who do have young people who are using technology in a good and positive and God-honoring way, those are their attributes. And they've come back to me over and over and say, yes, those things work. Those things work. It works to lead by example, to show them that I use my smartphone the same way that I want them to use their smartphone and that I'm leading in that way, that Also looks like, you know, when I'm with them and I get a call and I know I need to take it, I ask their permission. Hey, honey, I'm going to take this call right now, but I'm going to be done with it. And then I'll be right back with you. I'm not going to turn to scrolling. I'm not going to, right? Those are ways that we show our kids good uses of technology. That's the copy me. Then the coplay during technology with them. Ages seven and 10 is such a rich time to have shoulder to shoulder tech time with your kids. So, that they from a young age understand, Chris, that technology is a we activity and not a me activity. That they know that they can talk to dad about things. And that gets established now by doing tech with them. Um, that's the, you know, leading them into having a curious perspective, which I think I've made that abundantly clear that our perspective when it comes to how they watch YouTube videos or what games that they like, an attitude of curiosity is huge for building digital trust with our kids. It's like, hey, I notice you love watching these fail videos or like my son loved watching videos of this industrial shredder that they put things like bowling balls. Yes, my son too. And they squish them. Yeah, the the hydraulic press, but then there's also the industrial (laughs) shredder. Like they put bowling balls and transmissions into this thing and he just loves watching them. And it's a great, why do you like this? Oh man, it's because of this and this. You can learn so much about your kids, instead of it being, ah, they're watching YouTube again, it's, they're watching YouTube again, I wonder what they're like, because the algorithm might know more about your kid than you do. Right. And
1: you're you're absolutely right. And, And there is a lot of good, and I hate to interrupt you, but I want to say there is a lot of, like, good kid friendly stuff that they are excited about watching that you can feel okay with yeah if they're watching dude perfect right or they're watching this guy smush uh you know something metal that takes so many thousand pounds of pressure or how hot you can make something before it like melts or you know whatever it is Th- these are like science and like fun experimentation and athletic and sporting stuff and it's fun and everybody should be together watching this because it is entertaining
0: it is i i totally agree and so that leads then into the right conversations right you know we were raised by boomer parents who you know honestly they didn't have to have constant conversations with us about things because the One or two conversations we had coupled with that childhood gap I talked about, coupled with, I believe, a stronger sense of community that existed back then where we all kind of raised each other's kids in the neighborhood back in the day those things created just a more insulated childhood experience. We don't have that insulation anymore. We're more isolated than ever. We're more connected to devices than ever, which means we're more connected to doorways that can do harm than ever, which means that our conversations have to be persistent and consistent to override the algorithm of TikTok, Google, and you know YouTube and the voices that they have. And then finally that leads into, and you get this, right? It's Coach Chris here. I I want our perspective in parenting here to be one of a coach but not a controller right a coach wants their team to succeed you create you design plans that actually lead to success I want my kid to use technology well I am rooting for you therefore it's not me versus you it's me for you me rooting for you and that's where the idea of parental controls gets so complicated because That phrase is so detrimental to what we actually want to have happen here. I mean, imagine the 14-year-old version of you for a minute, Chris, for just a minute. And imagine your parents coming up to you and saying, Chris, I have an amazing idea for your teenage years. Do you know what it's called? It's called parental control. (laughs) Aren't you excited that for your teen years, I'm going to exert more parental control over your life? Like no teenager on earth loves that idea. And yet we've called this thing that we want to put on their smartphone parental controls. And then we wonder why they don't like it or they try to digital ninja their way around it. It's because you would have done the exact same thing. And so a perspective of digital trust on that looks at your son or daughter and says, you know what, honey, I'm going to give you this supercomputer um, because I'm a, an amazingly benevolent kind parent and I'm going to allow you to use this and oh by the way Because it's powerful just like a safety on a gun or whatever I'm gonna put this software on it and I am so proud of who you are And I trust you and this software isn't because I don't trust you it's because every single time I see you pick this up It's as if there's a hundred million people that are begging for access to your life. And what kind of parent would I be if I didn't put a few fences around them? Honey, this software isn't to catch you doing something wrong, it's to prevent them from doing something wrong to you. And that perspective on the software and the why behind it is so much different than saying, well, I just need to download the right thing to make sure you don't look at porn. Because like you said, all that does is challenge them to find a way.
1: That's right. And they will. And they will. And I think you said something, and I'm sure you've said it before in the uh, podcast you did with Frank about once your eyes see something, you, you can't unsee it. You know, if you're 12 years old and you see something pornographic that you've never seen before and you never would have witnessed in person but you saw it on your phone, it, it's, it's not like you're ever going to probably get that vision out of your head. I mean, it's, it's, no. it's, burned, it's burned in there. And that's kind of that's the, the preventative thing. that we're, That's what we're trying to like yeah. keep from, from, from happening to them unknowingly. It's, and it could be innocent enough that they come across this stuff. So by putting the fences around these predators, that's what we're hope, hoping to do. Absolutely. And you know, there's a
0: lot, of, a lot of great studies around that. I mean, I think kids, they appreciate the fence when they know why it's there. right? There's been all kinds of studies and, and experiments done on that where you put a bunch of kids on a playground without a fence that has an apparatus in the middle. And what do they do? They all congregate around the apparatus because they don't know the boundaries. But as soon as you put a fence all the way around that playground, they'll play all the way up to the fence because now they know where it's safe. And I think kids inherently, they want to know what is and isn't good, but just tell them why. Honey, I've put this fence up because I know that your young brain is going through a massive amount of change right now. And Chris, I do a whole 90-minute talk just on the neurology that's going on, the adolescent brain. because, And I know your podcasters won't be able to see this, but I'm holding my phone. And what I say to parents is unless you understand what's going on up here that's in the brain you'll never understand what's going on down here and that's in their thumbs on the phone. They make certain choices and do certain things because of what is happening neurologically inside of them. And so one of the questions I'll often ask an adult audience is to you know, raise your hand if you have issues. <laughs> and of course they all raise their hand, right? I've got issues, right? And as we indicated earlier, those likely occurred early in childhood. And so a lie that we often believe and something we incorrectly say is, We'll often say, well, kids are resilient, and that's a lie. Most of the things that plague you and I today are things that happened in childhood. I mean, if you've seen the show Criminal Minds, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Therefore, kids are not resilient. Kids are incredibly adaptive, and those are two very different things. They're more flexible when they are traumatized, be it with what happens to them in the real world or the digital world. They're really good at hiding it and just kind of rolling with life. And we see that all the time in divorce and other things. Kids just kind of roll with it and then it plays itself out in other destructive ways. But in the moment, they just kind of roll with it because they're super adaptive. And so yes, they can see things that do great harm, but you might never know it unless you're the type of parent Who is digging in with these open and honest questions saying, honey, if you see something like that, I I just want you to know that you're not going to be in trouble if you ever tell me that. And I I put these things in place because I don't want you to see it. But if something slips through, I just want you to know that, man, out of love for you in the same way that Jesus loves me unconditionally, I will give you a high five when you tell me and we'll figure it out. Like, keep that door so wide open that they just can't help but run through it.
1: That's right. Absolutely. And what about your kid, you know, has got a, a good head on their shoulders and they're, and they're doing the right things and making the smart decisions, but they can't speak for their friend. And maybe they're with their friend and their friend gets something on their phone and kind of shows it to your kid. You know, I mean, that's, it, it could be as simple as that, right? So it's it's about everybody kind of doing their part. But when your kid has that ability and that comfort level, and it feels like oh I can I can talk to mom and dad about this stuff because they're they're not gonna a make me feel bad about it or punish me for it or you know my whole world's not gonna be wrecked because of it they're actually gonna listen to me because they care about me and love me and want, want to, you know want what's best for me and they've and I mean it's it, it all comes from a place of just you know stepping stepping into our. Uh, our greatness as parents, you know, and, and and really looking out for our children, especially as dads, right? What What's our number one role, you know, as dads is to protect and also to, to love and to, you know, of course, discipline uh, is necessary, but protect and love are the two things that I really, you know, and then, you know, teach and, and coach and all those things. But like, if someone asked me, you know, what's your mate what, what's your primary role as as, as dad it's like well <laughs> I'm your dad so that means that I'm I'm gonna always look out for you and I'm always gonna love you and that's you know and that and I think if you're if you're if you're coming at it that way then all of this comes from a, a good place um, amen a, amen um, is there any is there any instance where you your organization have um, helped like in an agency or law enforcement in some kind where you guys were able to crack down on on some of these predatory you know online people uh, or organizations i mean i i, I wasn't sure how to a- ask or phrase that question but i mean obviously a lot of this stuff comes from like really structured um you know these are these are people that are well organized and have a mission in life yeah. to, to 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 reach our our kids. Uh, do you have is there anything anything there that you have any any feedback on?
0: So my job is often to come in and train. So I do trainings for um, for example, ICAC units. So the internet, every state has what are called internet crimes against children task forces. So that's federal funding that will come into a state police force and then they have a a group of individual um, officers then who are focused on internet crimes against children. That's what ICAC stands for. And so um, I'm called in um, by state ICAC units to train on some of these trends, like what they're seeing, um, what, what apps kids are using, what some of the risks are so that they can then go out um, identify and and you know know better how to interact in those apps. so that's often where right. I find my spot
1: right 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 so certainly more yeah like an, a, um, a a teacher instructor type role where you're able to help these uh, law enforcement agencies to um, to better navigate through these, Th- these issues and, and 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 help their communities yeah the other part that i'm
0: slowly getting more rolled into chris is um you know most of what is helpful to those organizations is the funding that they receive right and so um that's in the way of say appropriations that come federal appropriations that maybe are given to certain states for the that they're doing. So I'm trying to become more involved in that appropriations process to say what funds maybe are necessary in order to achieve certain, you know, um, law enforcement goals. Um, Because when you look at the numbers, like for example, um, NICMIC, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, which is the global clearinghouse for CSAM child sexual abuse material that's discovered online. They'll investigate it. It gets reported and investigated there When you look at the numbers, right? I mean last year 2020 being the year before last they had around 21 million pieces of CSAM Sam like reports um, That included multiple images reported to them in 2021 that number went up to twenty nine point three million so that you know almost one-third increase of files that had, so that almost 30 million reports equaled tens of millions of individual videos and images that then they're tracking down to figure out what gets handed off to law enforcement, then law enforcement needs to pursue it. I mean, the amount of horrific content that is being shared online far outpaces the funding to track it down.
1: Yes. Yes. And
0: so that side of it also needs quite a bit of attention, which I'm just within the last couple of weeks starting to turn my
1: focus toward. Wow. Well, it, it, it's it's such good work that you're doing. I so appreciate your your heart and your uh, your purpose. And you know you know here you are an accountant for all these years, right? Doing important work, right? Certainly, but but then filling. And finding a, a, even more of a purpose in, in, and I think that's an important takeaway and a lesson for those listening. you know sometimes you you might be good at what you do and you might feel you know to some degree like yeah this this is good work you know I'm doing I'm doing good stuff I'm making a good living for myself. you, you might come across something or something might cross your lap that you were you know you have a decision to make like wow, do I want to continue on this path? Or do I want to step into this new role in life? And if if the passion is there and the the fire is there and, and, and the and the mission is meaningful enough, I mean, go for it. I mean, look look what you've been doing over the last seven eight years uh, versus what you were. You know, if you go to Chris from. You know, two thousand and whenever you would have said, "Oh my gosh," I would never have dreamt that this is where I'd be, right? Yeah. Totally. I mean, if you go back to Chris, the accountant, back in two thousand six, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. He he would have uh, not had any idea that this was possible. So I totally, <laughs> totally agree. So, yeah, and I know I've covered a lot. It can feel a lot. It can be very overwhelming, and that's exactly Chris. Yes. What the enemy wants to do is out of it being too many things that people do no things and so that's not what i want to have happen and so um you know our website has a lot of resources if they're wondering what do i do with my chromebook or what do i do with my iphone we've broken all of those things down Um, during covid we built an app called the protect app so if you go to the android google play store or the apple app store you know people that are watching listening to this just search protect young eyes and our app will pop up and You know if you're saying to yourself wow all those little snippets and things that chris just said all of that is in the app there's over 500 little mini lessons that are intended to be consumed in little five minute bite-sized chunks when you're waiting here and there busy parents i get it that's why we built it the way that we did videos to watch with your kids so just a couple of ways for your followers here to uh turn this conversation into Maybe more transformation for their family Which is always what I'm focused on So,
1: Exactly right, absolutely Protectyoungeyes.com Just look that up And you'll have uh, Some reading there, you'll have all these Different links and things that you can find To learn more about the amazing Work that Chris is doing uh, In the world and uh, So fortunate and blessed to Have learned from him today and have him On the show and I thank you again For making time for us on Strong by Design design, Chris. My pleasure. Take care. It's been absolutely wonderful. Thank you, listeners, for, again, uh, choosing the Strong by Design podcast. And uh, we just so appreciate you. Go ahead and hit that five stars. If you could, take a quick second, leave us a review on whatever platform you listen to the show. We so greatly appreciate it. And next week, we'll have another episode, as always, here on Strong by Design on Wednesday. A new one releases. We hope you have a wonderful rest of the week. God bless you. Thank you so much for listening to the Strong by Design podcast. If you found value in today's episode, please subscribe so that more people can find out about our show. Plus, you don't want to miss any future episodes with the amazing guests and topics we have lined up for you.